the real question is if we start with the con because I just have a weird story, but it's apropos of not the con. So whatever. I don't know. Who cares? 319. Let's just go. As soon as I said that, I had to burp. (laughs) (laughs) I was like waiting for him to follow up or like what was going to happen there. And it was just silence. Sorry, gents. But uh, life uh, gets in the way, you know, as as to to abscond with an Ian Malcolm quote. I watched Jurassic Park during the con, the con con, the comic con. Hello, JJ. Hello. Hello, Michael. Hola. This is the year, Michael, that I saw you the most and JJ, you the least. Yeah. I definitely didn't see either of you as much as I feel like I do normally. Although I did spend a good amount of time with you, Michael. I feel like I end up not spending a lot of time with you some years. Yeah, so I feel like this year, conversely to to Andy's feelings, I feel like I spent more time with you this year than in most past years. Hmm. I I don't know. That's weird. I definitely had some panels that did not line up with you guys because I went to some artist panels. Uh, and I didn't travel across the street very much. We're talking about Comic Con, the San Diego convention that in the past we've done special recordings at. However, given the logistics of this year and everyone being in far flung places across San Diego, as well as the COVID restrictions and generally wanting to be safe, uh, I didn't feel like recording inside. I don't know about you guys. A wise choice, I think. Yeah, and it was still, even had we attempted to record outside, it probably would not have gone as awesome as we might have wanted it to. Yeah, well, the humidity was high. Uh, this year was a tough year, honestly, To in my personal experience of the year. Uh, I had to travel away from the con for some family obligations. I had other stuff come up that meant that we couldn't be at the con as much as we wanted to. Plus we stayed farther away. Now, if I had a nicer bike, I have a nice bike, first of all, uh, but it's not meant for riding long distances. So I was quite tired. (laughs) Uh, I actually got a comment on my bike. I have to say it out loud because people that are listening have already heard the story and I just want to make them jealous again. Uh, I was riding a, 1994 BMX Dino uh, Blast and a guy on a service cart pointed at me and said whoa look at that vintage Dino as I rode by that was just hear the like 90s guitar squeal ad I definitely I'm picturing a dude on a beach being like whoa he, he belonged on a beach if he wasn't working, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was he wearing a, a surfer boy shirt? He was not wearing a surfer boy shirt. He did have a flat brim cap and long hair underneath it. So Oh. Uh, he, was, he was close, though. He was close. He was, he was getting there. Uh, the hair was, like, feathered blonde. He was not an argyle. Mm, okay. Uh, it was, like, shoulder length max. Anyway. So more of a crisp pine. Yeah, more of a... more. <laughs> <laughs> more of more of a Chris Pine. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go look up the uh, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons panel. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There were a lot mm-hmm. of panels. Um, we didn't go to any big ones. You guys didn't go to any big ones, I assume. No. We went to one that wasn't big, but that was hugely popular. Like it was good that we sat through the panel before, or we wouldn't have gotten in. It was a uh, a Miyazaki panel. Oh, you went to the Miyazaki panel, not the uh, screening. Or you did both? We did both. Wonderful. Um, we went to Peanuts, which was decently popular. We tried to get into NASA. Did not get into NASA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it I turns out they misjudged the popularity on that one. I Severely. feel like it's not the first time now that I remember. I don't know. It's been three years, you guys. And for me, it's been four. Uh, yeah. Rest, to, we're rusty. Due to illness. Yeah. yeah. I think the... Uh, 
you know, Andy, I think you would have uh, felt like you were staying far away had you gone that fourth year also. <laughs> it was not that far. Well, I don't know how. It was farther maybe even. Uh, no, it was closer. So Was it? Yeah, you hmm. know where the food hall is in Little Italy? Barely, but okay. okay. Well, at one end of Little Italy is a thing called the food hall, and at the other end of Little Italy is McKellar. So yeah, okay. uh, the food hall is where we stayed last year. McKellar's where we stayed this year. So a little bit further away. Not, I mean, we're talking like one and a half blocks. It's not that different. Um, My answer to everything was the trolley was great and very easy to use. How was the trolley great? That's what I don't understand. Because in past years, the trolley has been horrendous. So we went, uh, firstly, the way I normally came in previous years with the trolley is that uh, I got on at the previous football stadium, which now no longer exists. <laughs> uh, is it? It's gone, gone. I mean, the stadium is gone. Yeah, completely. They've built an entire new stadium there now. Right. Uh, but there's no parking for it. And so it's like it's like a, a building in the middle of like a dirt lot. And the trolley station is still there and intended to be reopened at some point. But there's no place around it. You can't get to it. So that Not station sure. is closed and the trains don't stop there. Okay. So I can't go there. That's where I, and there used to be infinite parking there, basically. Uh, and that's not the case anymore. So we went to a different new trolley station. Uh, and it turned out to be maybe a slightly shorter ride and also like way less crowded. Okay. So it was really nice. We would get on uh, and ride one stop. And that one stop away turned out to be the beginning of the Comic-Con special event line. So we would get off at that stop, get on the first stop of the Comic-Con special event line, which meant the train was completely empty. So we always got seats if we wanted them. Yeah. And then straight to the con. It's more the ride back. I always feel uh, claustrophobic. And so it's all it's always super variable based on what time you leave. Sure. Good point. Um, But I would say that due to other factors, I think the overall attendance being down being the primary one. Uh, it wasn't that crowded most of the times. I didn't ever feel like I, in fact, at no point during this convention did I ever feel like I was squeezed as much as I usually felt almost every day during Comic-Con. No, the past. The, that shoulder to shoulder feeling that you usually get whenever you try and walk through the floor on Saturday was just not there unless you were standing in front of the Netflix booth. It felt like WonderCon. Yeah. 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 And... and that that feeling extended to the trolleys and you know some of the outdoor stuff which i guess we'll talk about that in a bit but all i mean there were still big lines there but not as big as i've seen in the past yeah well should we get to some of the indoor stuff yeah i want to know i want to know what is at least one rad thing you guys liked this year that you were excited about that felt good you go first michael Mine mine might seem a little bit silly, but I just, I really liked the novelty of this. One of the, so we always run around getting free books from the publishers who are all doing giveaways. And one of the publishers this year gave away a full-size, very nice umbrella. <laughs> and it just, just like huh. the, the idea of giving away an umbrella in San Diego, one, is really funny. Um, but pa- two, just a parasol. Been... No, it's a real umbrella. I know, but it, you have it, to use yeah. it for the sun. You use it as a parasol because you're in San Diego, but, uh, but just like the, the kind of out there-ness of it as a practical gift in a convention that is full of mostly just like toys and novelty items. Um, something about it just stuck with me. This is publisher for the East coast. <laughs> Uh, double day they might be they're just like oh yeah umbrellas that's good yeah sure and then they're like oh no we're going to san diego <laughs> <laughs> i felt uh, like things were more spaced out yeah so i wonder if that is because of people of exhibitors who used to be there not showing up this year maybe yeah. I mean, lack of both Dark Horse, who usually has a gigantic booth, and DC, both of whom were not there this year. Yeah, Marvel didn't do anything at their booth. 
like they've done in the past, uh, you know, like handouts yeah. and giveaways and things like that. I saw one. I saw yeah. one giveaway, but in general, had, most of the giveaways were were gone, and most yeah. of the things were handled were by still, the exclusive portal. You know, you know or, that's funny. You say systems. that though, but I got more free stuff this year than I have in probably the last like three Comic Cons combined. But was it all from large places or from small places? I mean, I guess it, I would say that it's a large place. I got, I got like three like tote bag, uh, grocery bag type reusable bag container those things. Are, those are literal trash. They're just throwing trash at you. Yeah, but I've never gotten those before, and I got a lot of them this year. <laughs> I have a bunch of ones that used to be trash and actually were have been carrying my groceries for the last couple of years, so I can trade them out. I feel all right about that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just apparently don't. apparently this trash is tra- all the stuff I thought that was cool is trash. One, now I'm one I've man's apparently one one man's trash. I just don't feel like you carried around a sling bag from Star Trek that was a giveaway. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, you feel look, like that's a giveaway, not, or like getting a quick yeah, stop sure. grocery bag that it will tear the second time you use it is a giveaway. Uh, I didn't get anything on the level of that bag, that shoulder bag. No, that's what I'm nothing saying. Even close to that, right? Level. Like that stuff is over. I mean, Lego did something, I guess, but it was a disaster, of course. Yeah, I would argue that Lego doing nothing would have been better than what they did. Right, and that's um, you know, if that's the direction it's headed, uh, maybe I like that. Is my what's going to be my point? Oh, I, I think the D. I don't know what's the like the less populated and less crowded con was like awesome. It yeah, was certainly well, good. And if yeah, and if sure. the word gets out like, hey, they don't really do a ton of that stuff anymore. I know, obviously, the Netflix booth being the exception to this, where they were giving away tons of amazing, really good stuff. Um, but if it's like, well, DC doesn't even go anymore for some insane reason. Uh you know it yeah maybe the word gets out and it calms down a little bit instead of the frenzy for for things well and really it was michael's in- michael's point about getting free books is something you have to work at like you can't just yeah. walk by and be handed books you have to like schedule times be places do things that that mm-hmm. stuff's work yeah i mean the the free books in the past sometimes andrew and i you remember we would just some years walk by those tables and there would just be books you could just take, you know, sure. it's like self-authored stuff, stuff that people were just giving out. They just had stacks and stacks and stacks yep. of free no books. More, you just no go more of that. I mean, you've you, the new Dragon Quest book is coming out, right? And, Dragon uh, Dra- Not Dragon Quest. Sorry. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Dragon, Dragon, Dragon Lance. Dragon yeah. Lance book is coming out. They had a big poster for it. And I walked up and I said, um... Hey, what's the what's the deal? Do you got any stuff related to this coming out? No. Like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? That book in particular is one that I think they realize the fans were going to buy it anyway. They don't need to do any marketing. Yeah. And after what happened with the lawsuit and all that, maybe corporate is not so keen on marketing it based on how they kind of got mad at them, you know? Okay. So I wonder if like that one in particular has a bit of weird history there. But it certainly is true that like to get free books you have to like show up and line up and meet the author at certain times and certain places now whereas before you could just like walk by and get free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think that nearly, you know, it's the the waiting in line part can be a little tedious especially if the booth is disorganized, but like the actual going through the line and, and meeting the author has, has almost always been a good experience. Like most of the authors who show up to Comic-Con are genuinely like excited to be there and to talk to the people who are coming through their line. I have better experience with the authors in the book area than I do with most of the comic creators in the comics that were there for Comic-Con. That doesn't surprise that me. Right. I, not to say that I don't have a lot of good experiences but I also have a lot of disinterested experiences and some bad ones from this year. Inflation, I guess. Mm. 
but is it uh, just like the prices on stuff being way up and therefore like the people being not interested in doing stuff i think just in general um there's a i wish we had ken on here maybe we should maybe he could call in or something there's something happening in especially the artist can email us artist space of comic-con um where a lot of the individuals are now putting their artwork into these like conglomerates for art. So like Felix art or like an, Joe, art, an Joe, artist collective. Uh, they're like collectives, right? But like, they're not, they're not exclusive collectives. And some of the artists don't, you know, need them quote unquote, but it's, it's like, a. They're creating sub markets where you have to like go specific places. You can't go directly to the artist. The artist works with these people. These people have these policies. They own all the art. Um, it's a strange time. Now, that's not everybody, not nearly everybody. There's a lot of people and a lot of famous people even that are still out there in the, the weeds on their own being nice to people. But there's kind of like a shift seems like it's happening of like, well, if we all want to get paid... Uh, let's do it this way by creating almost like a union, but all, but, but a market, marketplace say, it sounds like you're describing a union. It does sound like that, or, except that it's not a artist, union. It's or a not cartel, a cartel, maybe. Yeah. No, more, an, more an like artist that. guild, a guild, maybe, yeah, a guild but, maybe, but you're talking about those things being created to protect them from their employers. And the Which creation, they may also be doing right. It just has a downside no, effect on no, the because fans. what's you what know, we're right? talking about here is these collectives or whatever are directly focused at selling things to fans. It's not uh, like they call DC doesn't call Felix Art or I'm, I keep picking the one one place that I I interacted with, but it's not fair to um, mention them only. There's a lot of these. Um, there's a, a lot of them. Uh, they don't call these artists collectives or whatever you want to call them to negotiate contracts for the artists it's not like they become representatives or unions or anything like that and unions wouldn't be a bad thing i'm not saying they would be um but it seems like a, a price it almost feels like a price fixing thing where it's like if i'm part of this group then my art is worth a certain amount of money and therefore my time is worth a certain amount of money um i'm getting off on a tangent that i don't know enough about uh, I think I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting into some deep water here. And my I, my uh, wonder I don't is have any if, floaties. My wonder is if there are some artists who just genuinely never liked having to do that side of the hustle, and I were that. like excited and happy to offload it on this group or of other people. Yeah, and then focus sure. on doing business deals or whatever with whomever else they actually were, you know, had to do or were interested in doing. And then could say, sweet, go talk to my booth over here. These people will sell you my art for whatever the re rates are, right? Yeah, I just can't believe it's a bad... It's not a bad thing overall for people to get paid, right? They do a lot of work. But it feels like you should get paid on one end of this and that the other end is a bonus, right? And 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 adding a bunch of middlemen only increases the cost on people that just show up for fun. And then it's yeah. not fun. Um, and that's that's a choice. And that... That's a choice, right? Uh, getting back to Michael's point, a lot of the people, and this applies to artists too, um, that go to booths to do things are much more um, open and free with their time and energy, right? And that, that's yeah. the book people and, and artists that go to booths and things like that. And I will say, this is the first, well, not, I don't know, the first convention in a while that I had a like really positive interaction with it with without even attempting to like an artist essentially approached me while I was in line for something else and ended up we ended up chatting about his stuff and what he's doing and for like a good 10 minutes or whatever just there it's like oh this is interesting I liked his art I knew the stuff he was doing I was like interested in it a little bit but then he you know gave me a bunch of free random stuff pins and a thing and a bunch of stuff but like then just talked about his art and talked about the process and like I asked him questions and he answered stuff. It was really nice, like super nice dude. Um, 
And it was like a really good interaction. I haven't had one of those randomly like that that I didn't seek out or something at Comic-Con in, in years. Sure. Yeah. Very nice. Very and cool. again, I wonder I wonder how much of that is just the the freedom to do it because of the reduced crowds. Could be. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, like you were saying, I, I think if the crowd stayed like this every year going forward, I would have no complaints. I think it would change the con measurably if the crowd stayed like this going forward. Um, I think I think a lot of interesting direction that people are taking about coping with how massive a time commitment going to a convention is and the amount of people there and all that might might reverse for the better. You know, but that would create peaks and valleys of like, oh, now there's really good handouts again. Oh, now a zillion people are showing up. Um, Comic-Con is uh, interested in maximizing the amount of people there. And, you know, next year, I bet you there's twice as many. I mean, it's yeah. a business for them at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I do wonder good how feedback the attendance for them to hear is like, it was not crowded. Please, please keep it this way. It was nice. And, like, that's not to say it was empty, like, it, by no means. No. And I'm sure, you know, some panels saw lower attendance than they normally would or whatever. I also heard uh, from other folks that I know that went to some of those big panels that none of us bothered to try and go to, a bunch of those panels went virtual at the last minute. And oh, people, like, walked, the people essentially walked out of panels. They were like, oh, this is a recorded Zoom call. Why am I here? And wow. people left. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Last second COVID kind of thing. I noticed uh, a lot of businesses have shifted uh, over COVID times. Um, I mean, one example that we had directly in front of us was the Torpedo Comics no longer deals in um, trades at all. Yeah. Wow. It seems like a lot of people, maybe this goes back to the artist thing we were just talking about, but a lot of people seem to have moved to it's only worth my time to do high margin stuff, right? Like I, I think it's like the trades in general had not completely, but nearly disappeared across the con. Oh like it yeah. Was, Basically it was hard to find places selling trades of anything, even popular stuff. Right. Um, it seems like the market for those has, must have cratered during COVID and, uh, may take the, some times to recover. Yeah, or like all the businesses that sell them are just like, we just sell them through Amazon. Who cares? Like, this is not worth the extra work. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, taking it to the convention is not worth a lot of work, probably. You know, but like I said, the margin on these is very, it's got to be very, very small. So, yeah. But conversely, I also found a new comic store in the like near-ish area to me that I'm going to go try and visit. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that cool. was cool to run into a new store that was like very personable and um, they did a good job selling themselves, right? Like, hey, we're yep. an expanding business in, tw- in 2022. Okay, uh, I'm interested in supporting you. Hey, you seem nice. Every year, yeah. <laughs> and the owner being like, you know, so my memory of those booths where they're got the you know they have like a billion trades out in front and they're just like selling boxes of stuff is like the owners would be like I don't know go look through it if we have it you can you know whatever it says 50% or whatever uh you could ask this the person there and they'd be like ah uh, I think we have two of those they'd be in that box mm-hmm. you know or like I have like yeah I don't think we brought any of that one at all you could look it would be there but I don't think so or I sold the last one of those so there's no more like you just knew off the top of their head, like, hey, here's the stuff I actually brought with me. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, like, so rare for those. I got a taste of it. I mean, I found a, a nice He-Man and the Masters of the Universe throwback anthology in one of those bins, you know. Um, but the bins were were really scarce, and what was in them was not yep. very good. And and really, I, it's one of those experiences of con cons in general that... Um, I had hoped to see again. I don't know. Was there, was there any experiences you too had hoped to see again that just weren't there? I felt the, I think the thing that disappointed me the most this year was I didn't, I didn't find a lot of the panel content compelling. And I know there were, 
you know, a number of like big ticket panels I probably would have enjoyed going to. But as we discussed, we don't like fighting people for the giant Hall H and Ballroom 20 stuff generally. I will not go to Hall H. Someone was stabbed in the eye with a pen. Funny you brought up that story. I heard that story independently from you a different point during the con this year. Um, so, yeah, I fully get it. Not worth it. Uh, but the other con, like normally there are, I have no trouble finding like two or three panels every day that I'm interested in. There were multiple days this year where I was like, I kind of don't care about any of this. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the, the pandemic or whatever, but I no. felt like there was a lot less interesting stuff. I think it was, it was, there was a lot more tailored content. Right, everybody had a specific thing they wanted to talk about or do. Um, I found one thing a day that it was like, yes, I am interested in that. And even then, well, we missed one of them, right? The NASA one. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's tough. You know, like you have to know the specific artist that they're doing the spotlight on. You know, there were right. still big things like not in hall h there was you know all all the main large rooms still had enough stuff to fill them but you know even then the content was reviewed as lackluster sometimes yeah i think that i, th- I think my other regret is i didn't get you guys with me on the pirate ship i was a that was a letdown should have done yeah, that together that would i was fun. i was sad we couldn't coordinate them I ended up going on it twice. We went again on Sunday, and that was also a great time. I I looked at it, I think, once with you and once without, and the line at the times that I was like, this is the time for me to go, did not work. The line was long. Yeah. We went early on Sunday, and there was no line. We just walked on. Mm-hmm. And then the other time we went was Thursday afternoon, and it was like 15 minutes or something. Not too bad. Yeah. A beer pirate ship is a cool idea. Michael, did you have anything that you just were like, whoa, where was this thing? No. I mean, I was I was a little bit sad at the lack of Lego exclusives, but it it altered our con experience a little bit in that it made for some a lot more leisurely mornings and a whole lot less just standing around in long lines. Um, so I, I missed, I missed the getting of the Lego exclusives. I don't know that I would say I missed every hoop that we had to jump through to get them. Okay. Well, I think, I think most of my con was marked by things that are, that was marked a lot more by things that fell into a category of, I'm really glad this is back. Okay. And JJ same? Yeah, I don't like I don't know about Lego specifically. Um No, no, but I agree. Overall your marked impression yeah, was I, Yeah, I I think good. I had a good I had a good impression and I think you know, I I was pretty pleased generally that the vast majority of people were respecting and following the mask rule. Um which I sort of worried about going in. Yeah, there was there was the handful that. that you knew just weren't gonna care. <laughs> of course, there were always right. going to be some people, but yeah, I'd say, like I said, the vast majority of people were being good about it. Cool. Yeah, JJ, I think you were you weren't there, and Andy can back me up on this for for one of the highlights of the con for for me at least, which was Nina West. Oh. Dude. Hosting the co-hosting the uh, co-hosting and stealing the spotlight at the her universe fashion show. Uh, Nina West is in. She's an actress in Hairspray, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and brought every bit of energy a human being can have to the her universe fashion show, which is you know a. <laughs> at times can be slow at times it can be uh advertisey at time you know there's a lot going on with a fashion show especially at a convention that needs to have sponsors and pay the bills and all that sort of stuff and and where the quality goes up and down based on the participants it's not 
it's not a professional show by any means, but it's also very professional. And she took it to a, a newer, I think, level of uh, entertainment, I would say. That's cool. I laughed my butt off is what I'm trying to say in a long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. It, it certainly brought the experience back in a way that was like, ah, good, okay, we we didn't slow down here in a, you know. There's a good mm-hmm. chance when people take a lot of time off that there's a lot of uh, kinks to get worked out, and there were none. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I can tie Comic Con into video games if we actually also one do that. one actually quick thing you mentioned taking time off. Despite having taken, you know, time off for the convention this year, today, the first day back, I kind of wished I had taken another day off to recover, <laughs> despite all of this, right? Like, I don't know if I needed to get my con legs back under me or something, but I was like, I was pretty wiped out after all the stuff that we did all those days. I saw a post from Sean Kirkham, who works for Invincible or for uh, Skybound. He's like the brand manager there. Mm-hmm. He walked... He walked 52 miles. I believe it. During the convention. I was like, yeah. You know, I biked up and down from Little Italy to the convention every day. That was, was a good amount of workout just doing that on a little BMX bike. So, I, I get what you mean, man. Uh, Michael. Yes? Uh, our, our bet on... Square Enix didn't pay off. And now, uh, thanks to the convention, wherein I had to sign up with an email address and then pre- pre-register for a thing, I've down- I have automatically downloaded Octopath Traveler Champions of the Continent. Okay, so you, you already have access to it on iPhone then? I believe so. That sure does sound like a mobile game. It sounds like a free-to-play mobile game. Should I play this? How many gotcha pulls do you have? I have none of energy-wise. <laughs> mm. uh, I just didn't know if you knew anything about it before we signed up for this thing to try and win I mean, a bunch of whatevers. I knew a little bit about it because I, I had already pre-registered for it, but you can't do more than that on Android right now. Oh really? Uh, is is it going to replace your Final Fantasy game that is leaving for you? I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how it uh, how it plays out. How it holds my attention. I'm not clicking this button until you tell me whether or not to play it. Okay. Well, that was my Stay transition tuned. to video games. I'll, re- I'll report back. <laughs> great, great transition. A plus. Uh. Did anyone bring their Steam Deck or Switch to Con to play games? No. No. 3DS to get Steam Passes? I did see Uh a person playing 3DS in a line while I was waiting to get in in the morning. I brought mine, but I actually didn't. And I think this goes back to not waiting in long lines. I didn't. I never pulled it out. Wow. I did not bring... I didn't actually bring any video games to the convention. I really just phoned it in, you guys. Uh, before and after, however, I've been playing another game on Game Pass. If you want to hear about why I don't like JJ's car. <laughs> okay. <Uh-oh. laughs> Your car fits in a tough zone for me, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. It doesn't do off-road. No, it's a sports car, yeah. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately for you, I pulled from a random lottery in this game a... Oh, gosh, what is it? It's a mono BAC... I don't even okay. know. That's a, it's one of those like two seaters with no roof really and yeah. has like a unsprung uh-huh. suspension or something. Uh-huh. Uh so it's made to just sort of race. 
Yeah, an actual race car, essentially, like a kit yeah, car, I think. Basically a race car. And so uh, I'm going to talk about Horizon, Forza Horizon 5 for a minute. I haven't played a racing game in a long time, like a really, really long time. I don't know if you guys play racing games at all at this point. I think the last one I played, gosh, I don't know. What about you, Michael? I never got really into racing games other <laughs> other than Mario Kart. That's sure. D- no one is counting game. Mario Kart as a racing game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the last one I played maybe was in like 2010. It was one of those Need for Speed games where you have to race the cops or be the cops kind of thing. Okay. I don't remember the name of it. But it was like very arcadey. You got like power-ups and stuff like to blow the cops up with spike strips and stuff. Okay, that's probably about the same era that I stopped playing racing games too. But it, this one is free with Game Pass, and I thought that sure looks good in terms of the graphics. It might be worth playing. Um, man, Forza does a job on trying to simulate each car, don't they? Yeah, uh, it's kind of, they. You know, those I don't know what to call them. The simulation racing games. Horizon is not the simulation racing game. No, but motorsport for is a motorsport is. Yeah. Or like Gran Turismo is sure. But those games have a like deep love of cars specifically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the settings menu alone takes a lot of time to get through the cars. There's, I can't, I can't imagine there's less than 500 cars to collect in this game. If you wanted to. Uh, Oh, dude, I'm pretty sure the number is way, way, way higher than 500. I mean, they have they have hidden cars, too. You can't even tell how many cars there are because, like, yeah, there's a 1992 version of this car, but there's also a super legendary version from 1962 that you can go find, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fun game. It looks really good. I have to say off the bat that because they chose like the jungles of Mexico to do this version of the game. A lot of the map looks pretty samey. Um, and that might have to do with the fact that I've only done the road racing. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, you eventually, if you drive off road, you're going to drive up a mountain or something and it'll be different. Right. But, uh, I could use a little bit more variety would be kind of nice. Anyway, that's my only complaint. There's too much to do in this game, you guys. Like, way too much to do. There's so much going on. Like, there's there's ghost players running around my game. I don't, I don't know why, but there are. The game mines your, your, like, data from Xbox and stuff, so it knows who you are. And, like, the radio talks to you. So, it's like... Hey, Andrew. Hey, it's nice that you've won 10 races out there. I hope you're hearing me on the radio, racers. You guys got to beat this guy. It's a lot going on. Uh, Hot Wheels is involved in this game somehow. I was going to say, did you get the Hot Wheels DLC for it? I heard about that this week. (laughs) It is included with your Game Pass stuff. From minor to major they are involved in the game, right? They have their own little area of the map that is like the Hot Wheels area and you can go do races and stuff that with Hot Wheels cars in that area. You can well, take the Hot Wheels cars anywhere, apparently. Once you win them, yeah. Um, but yeah. also, like, there's just Hot Wheels paints you can use for your cars. Things like that are kind of nuts. I mean, the tuning levels that you can do are way beyond my interest, I think. I, I definitely have raised and lowered tire pressures when it needed to be, but mm-hmm. doing more than like stiffening my sway bars seems like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> you weren't uh, interested in perfecting the setup and picking the camber and toe of each tire. And then also rating the engine output up or down and adjusting the length I'm, of the push rods and 50,000 other things that they let you, you do. You can some adjust of these simulation the gearing. Games. You can adjust each gear's gearing by like minute fractions of a percent. It's nuts. Oh yeah. I need, I need wow. a longer second. My second is the one that's really hurting. I need to have better second gear. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, and then like in races, it pulls from your friends list. So, 
oh, I'm losing to Kit again. I gotta, I gotta catch up. I can't lose to Kit. You know? Yeah. The the Forza games recently. So I don't know if this is new. What you're talking about, if pulling from your friends list. But in the past, they used to do a good job of like they called it. They had a stupid name. Drive a tar. Yes, thank you. You remembered the dumb name. Do they still do that? Oh yeah. You can turn them okay. on and off. So they have a system that like records your drives and uploads them essentially and then uses them as like ghost data or other racers in other people's races. Mm-hmm. So that you can like always be racing your friends even if they're not online. And of course you can also join multiplayer and race against real people in all these things yes, too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, you can also see the people on your friends list if they have done it and be like, ah, oh, you know, like Andrew said, kid is beating me at turn three or whatever. Yeah, there's so much to do. I mean, and there's so everywhere you turn, there's more stuff that's in like, oh, that's a thing in this game. That's a thing. Like there's you can shout at other racers using this button. You can use your GPS to tell you where it thinks you should go with this button. The map is like covered in stuff to do. It's open world. So you can just sort of look around for hidden things. It's the, it's just getting to the point of like understanding the car alone is enough for me. Like I spent two races on uh, using traction control and then I was like, this kind of sucks. So I turned traction control off. Well, once you're in the menu for traction control, there's 17 other controls in there and each one you turn on and off affects your XP gain in the game. So like traction control off 10% more XP. It, it's a smart way to do the assists, right? Yeah. Because traction control is a big assist where, like, the car is not going to go fishtailing and sliding around corners, which is cool, but well, objectively slower in a race, right? Yeah. Some cars, you have to go back in and turn it on. Like, if you're racing a, I don't know, uh, S, if you have different like, levels if you, of like cars. A powerful, if you have, like, a powerful rear-wheel drive American muscle car, you would be happy to have a traction control well, because even, if you try to make a turn, it's going to fish fail. Even like the rear wheel drive Bugattis, like if you if you pull the gas all the way at the start, well, that's the end of your race. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just going to spin without traction control on. So depending on how hard the car is to drive, you might have to turn it back on. I don't know. The cars are nuts and it's crazy how different they are. I had to do, I just did a 17 minute race before this. Are you uh, attempting to claim that that's long? It felt long. Okay, cool. I I just wasn't sure where you were falling on that because there are like people way deep in the crazy zone who are like driving for actual, actual hours, right? Like virtual 24 hours of Le Mans split up between three people in real life. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. doing that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, there's menus I haven't even looked at yet. There's something called the forza playlist or like forza thon playlist that's like doing specific stuff there's seasons in the game where like oh you have to do this race during the wet and this race during the heat and this race during the the i can't even the menus are so thick with things to do i don't know how anyone ever quote unquote finishes the game i think eventually you just say you've done enough and you quit so you know this is a live game andrew Part of that's why, right? Uh, they've it's been out for several years, and they've added an a ton of stuff to it's it. It's only been out since November. Nah, that can't be right. Uh, Are you sure? I'm almost certain. Well, have, it is. It is meant to be a, one of those live kind of games where there is an infinite number of things to do on the map, and there's just always going to be more. November like, twenty twenty one. Just do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, almost it's, here. It's it's a fun game. I gotta say, I'm for someone who hasn't played racing games in a long time. I will burn burn out. <laughs> That's a joke. Burnout's That's, a racing game. It is. It's a good. It's a good joke. Uh, I will eventually burn out on it. I'm sure, but uh, I haven't burned out on the road racing yet. So when I burn out on that, I will go to the dirt racing. And after that, there's other there's like events that you do like scenic driving events where they're made for uh the story right mm -hmm. uh and then then that'll be it and i'll just stop although i would kind of like to get a gt you know mark one grand oh, oh the ford gt yeah. 
but that's uh, fifteen yeah. million dollars. And I I'm sure you can earn fifteen million dollars. I only have two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm fairly certain the way you earn money in those games is by like upgrading your car a bunch so it's way faster, and then doing tons of different races to like earn race bucks have, or whatever. They also have like an auction house in the game, so you can earn money on all the cars you're earning because you earn lots of cars that just sit around and do nothing. People, people are crazy and they buy your D rank Ford F four fifty. I also wouldn't race a Ford F four fifty, so I can understand why it's D rank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The ranking system is interesting. It's like the weapon systems, you know, like Michael in, uh, in Final Fantasy. Yeah. So S, but there's X above X above S. I wouldn't okay. race X if I were me. Uh, it's really hard to race anything above S1, really. But S, uh, S2 is okay. It's kind of harder. You have to turn traction control back on. Or do you just have to not be the kind of driver that just slams the brake pedal to the floor at the start of the race, you know? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I think... They want you to feather it, maybe. They want you to feather it, but, like, how much can you really feather it on a controller? Xbox controller has those adaptive triggers, so a decent amount, I would guess. I think you can do it just fine for certain cars, but, like, other cars I was trying to drive, I could feather it a tiny... If you touched the gravel, you know, that was it. The car's gone sideways. Sure. I, I'm sure there's like, there must be, I would guess, in some of those games, like, hey man, set my car up for the off road thing and like <laughs> install four wheel drive in this car that's not supposed to have it so that so they, I don't just fly they, off the track instantly. As, as one of those live things, every person in the game, the game keeps track of their tunes for cars and you can go in and just be like, hey, Who's tuning cars and how good are they? And uh, just download their tune for my car. Yeah, okay. They they did think of this. Yep. Yep, paint, same thing for paint jobs. Like, what's out there for paint jobs? Just download that one. I don't want to do the work for this. How so, many giant Evangelion robots can I put on my car? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Good question. They tell you that you must make certain that you own the rights for whatever stickers you're making. Uh-huh. <laughs> and are they policing this? I'll put Mario on here. Let me see it. Yep. Anyway, that's my Forza story. It's fun. I don't know how long I'll play it. In the but beauty of I'm, Game Pass there, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm glad it's on Game Pass because I would, I would not have bought it for myself to play. But I'll definitely play a game pass month's worth of payment for it. Or another one for game pass. I just, I don't, I don't want to advertise for them, but it's tough not to enjoy stuff that they got on there. Like that turtles game is fun too, you know? Well, anyway, uh, Michael. Yeah. I think we owe you a direct apology. Okay. There's a complication when we told you to eat toaster strudel. All right. It's clarified for us. Toaster strudels are frozen. Yes. So we can't have Michael eating unfrozen toaster strudels that have been sitting in his desk. (laughs) That would be problematic. It probably wouldn't be good. Yep. There is... One small freezer at the office, and I feel like taking up a large section of it with a box of toaster strudels might be frowned upon. Only if you're not going to share. Well. Then he would get one toaster strudel, maybe. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem, since you only want one toaster strudel, because there's only one in the bag. (laughs) Anyway. Throwing that out there for people that uh, remember that episode. (laughs) Okay, for the last few minutes here, we had an offline discussion, off-mic discussion, about the best food invention. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to bring this up. Uh, 
And and I wanted to to throw it out there now because maybe we can get comments or emails on it. I wanted to set up some ground rules because I think we, we started to get off track there, right? The original discussion started with, is there a better invention than putting together a carb, a cheese, and tomatoes in human food history? Yeah. And then we got into like, well, what's the best? We got down to, do we need all the ingredients in that? What's the best one of the three? Which one could you do without? And then which one's just the best food invention? And I think once you get into what's the best food invention, you start to have to get into like, well, grinding stuff into flour might be the best food, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I wanted to see maybe if we could come up with a question with some ground rules that determine the best food creation that is not just saying flour. I guess I don't. So like you, you can't pick flour, which I guess is maybe an ingredient more than an actual food stuff. Although yes, obviously you could eat it raw, but no one does. Right. Right. So I think like you could, you know, box it out of the category of food because no one eats it. It's well, in stuff, just, but you don't eat it by itself. I think you just started with an interesting beginning to the question. Does it have to be something that is manipulated to be eaten, right? Like an orange, eating an orange is not a food invention. So like curing or cooking or whatever version of something, does it have to be manipulated in order for it to be a good food creation? I think the... So my original thought on this, I'm curious if you guys agree, is that that is more interesting because otherwise the question is just what is the best food and, you know, somewhat then it's just up to opinion. Right. I mean, it's going to be up to opinion anyway. This is a dumb argument on the internet, <laughs> right? But like <laughs> – You got to narrow it down. You had to narrow it down somewhat because otherwise someone is going to be like, I love oranges. And you're like, okay, well, I can't argue with that. You like oranges. And nature produced them that way. I no one was in control there, although, you know, selective breeding, blah, 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 you know, commercialization of food. But like, you know, it's something that grew naturally just is the thing. I like hot peppers, but I'm not like arguing that hot peppers are a food invention. Right. So right. pretty much but, everything that grows directly would be disqualified. But maybe those those hot peppers pickled with carrots and onions and cauliflower would be on the list of possible food inventions. Sure, as a like thing you put together as a salsa or as a dipping of you know, you know, uh, thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I I might go a little further, Andy, and say that being being somehow manipulated isn't quite enough. That it has to be something, and this this takes care of things like flour. It has to be something that is regularly eaten by itself. Okay. How do you mean that, though? Because the beginning of that discussion had to do with a combination, right? Of combination of three items. And also, you know, something sure, that JJ sure. just mentioned is like salsa or dips, right? Like a hummus or something. You don't eat that by itself in general. So I think his point was you wouldn't be allowed to pick salsa then because salsa is not typically eaten by itself. No, so I maybe I'll walk that back a little bit and say you can't that manipulation picking something that is mid manipulation isn't shouldn't be allowed, you right? You, dough, you manipulate like dough, you manipulate wheat, count. right? So you manipulate wheat to get flour, but that's not the end of the process, right? You then manipulate flour to make other things. So you need an you need an end result, a completed man-made creation. You need to say sourdough bread. Right. I think I can I think I can get behind that. It makes sense to me. 
Okay. You know, you can, of course, like with any rule, I'm sure we can find weird edge cases on, in it, but you know, it's sure. the fun of these sorts of things, I think. How broad do we allow things to get? That's the other side of this coin. Dip. Is the answer dip or is do you have to pick French onion dip? Is the answer bread or is it uh, garlic cheese bread? How specific does the creation need to be? A served dish named or a category? Well, I think the the instigating idea was just a category, right? It was carb tomato cheese. Okay. That that could name, you know, any number of dishes from all kinds of different cultures. So I don't think it has to be as specific as like quiche, right? Or even like, you know, you just you don't have to pick lemon meringue pie. You could just pick pie. Pie is a pretty good one. That is a good one. Because it's a quiche yeah. pie. And you get the hot dog sandwich, you know, discussions here. is a pie. Yeah. It's certainly baked in the same way, that's for sure. And it's in a crust. Yeah. Hmm. We can, crust- we can reconsult. We can reconsult the cube rule. Well, it's a crustless, a crustless quiche is just a frittata, right? Yes. So, I don't know that I know the difference between a quiche and a frittata, so I'm going to abstain from that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so here's an interesting question: Where does with the with the boundaries we've established, where does meat fall? What has to be like? Could I could I pick steak? No. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it no, has to be because... something like sausage. Right. You could right. pick, you could pick beef, but it would have to be something like cured. Uh, see, this is what I was saying about categories, right? Because then you just get yeah. in the category of cured meat is the category. Right. I can't pick steak, but I could pick a beef jerky. Well, yeah. Dry. I think that would yeah. allow. Because there's a process that had to happen there. You can't pick a side of beef or a cut from a side of beef, right? Yes, it was manipulated to cut out the prime rib that you're eating here, or it was manipulated to cut out the filet mignon. But, you know, you could pick well-done filet mignon. I think that would be acceptable, right? I don't know why you're well-doneing your meat, but there you go, right? Hmm. But I I feel like I wouldn't say if just, like, raw, uncooked meat would be an acceptable answer for this. I feel like because the, it's not done yet. It's not manipulated to the end product. But why would you pick a specific thing instead of a category, right? Like, I, you would be foolish. I don't know. Stew, <laughs> right? Stew would get better arguments than beef jerky. I don't know. There's a lot of types of beef jerky, right? You could have beef jerky from every kind of animal out there. Although I guess it wouldn't be beef just at that point. Jerky. Mm. So you should just pick jerky instead of beef jerky. Right, because, I mean, even watermelon jerky, then. Sure. sure. Chicken, turkey, elk. You know, there's a billion different kinds of dirt jerkies out there. And then you should just get into dehydrated goods. <laughs> this is why I was asking whether categories were okay. So how does that fit into the original argument, right? So I, I don't think the attempt is to answer the original argument of like carb tomato and cheese being the best combination of things. I think it's more just to pose a separate, but somewhat related question of the, which individual man-made manipulated thing is the best. Is there a, and obviously people will have opinions. Is there a better go-to than a slice of pizza or, other bread, cheese, tomato. Is there a better go-to item or category of items in terms of its flavor? Right? They picked savory. I don't know. I don't. Hmm. Sushi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. Okay. Well, 
that's our question. And we'll come back next week with some answers. And uh, if people submit their answers, where would they submit them? They can send those to podcast at weweregamers.com. We will check those out and probably have a discussion about it uh, soon because I'm guessing there's a lot of opinions out there. Yeah. Our food Uh, questions always tend to get the most opinion. You know, it is an interesting question for sure. I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. I really like cheese, though. But is there... I mean, cheese is a category, right? You could just say cheese is better than those other things that might possibly be on the list. It'd be it. Anyway, I don't know. It you know. Anyway, uh, we're on social media at We Were Gamers. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, on YouTube, We Were Gamers, all one word. Follow, hit that follow button and the little subscribe. That'd be uh, very helpful. <laughs>